Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Tracked a raccoon one time in the snow. I was in a, a neighborhood and I was just curious where this raccoon lived, you know. Time now for... I hope there's Bigfoot. I don't think there is. The reason I don't think there is because... We found bones of dinosaurs and everything else, but we haven't found bones that I've heard of, of Bigfoot. Overreaction Monday! On Earth, they say, oh, well, we're the only ones. We're, I mean, really? Why? Have you been to the other planets? Have you checked out the other planets? Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Week four in the books, and we are overreacting Monday to this finally felt like a real almost college football season i thought there was that moment late saturday afternoon texas is coming back on texas tech lsu's about to fall down dead to mississippi state balls are getting chucked in the air oklahoma's already down there was things happening you were clicking back and forth real names that you heard of consequential games and not just in the Sun Belt standings. <laughs> Good stuff, I thought. Great stuff. Oh. Great stuff. Uh, you still don't have that volume. It's still just not that volume because then it kind of petered out pretty quick at night. Miami trashing Florida State and uh, the Alabama-Missouri game was not close, although Nick Saban did his best to make it close, and I'm not too happy with you, Coach Saban. Backdoor <laughs> cover. <laughs> Gritty cover by the Missouri Tigers. Gritty. Yeah, Drinkwitz knows he's not going to win a lot of games, so at least he'll win the Gamblers over in uh, year one. And, you know, Saban's like, I think he said after, Bryce Young needed to uh, get a little playing time. I think he, it will help his learning curve. Well, it didn't help my damn uh, race for the case, buddy. <laughs> uh, Nad, and, and Nad might still be leading at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, sure he is. I went two, three, yeah. and one, so that yeah. wasn't good. And that was my winner. I mean, I, how do you – two TDs late. It was bad. Anyway. um. That's where we're at. I, I start with LSU. I think that's the big one. Mississippi State at LSU, defending national champs, you know, just straight up beaten. Uh, you know, 60 minutes, Mississippi State. I watched almost all that game. The Pirate and the Air Raid came in. It was unstoppable. Uh, Orgeron, uh, they, they couldn't stop it. The, the, they, they threw for, uh, what was it, 623 yards. Set all sorts of SEC rec. Day one, just, yeah, we're just going to. I'm going to chuck up 623 on you. Everyone's like, this is the first national champ to lose at home. And that's because they don't play anybody. This is why you play your bye game, right? You're a little rusty, different things going on. But 
I did not think LSU looked great. I thought Mississippi State did. Uh, Pat, thoughts? Unbelievable. I mean, it was a great day everywhere, but that was absolutely the headliner. You could not, if you are an air raid disciple, you could not have scripted it any better than that. For not only for Mike Leach to come into the league, to not have a full spring practice, they're bringing in a quarterback from the West Coast. Everything seems to be lining up that, like, this is going to be a long rebuild. 2020, scratch it. You know, Mississippi State is not going to be able to perform the way a customary Mike Leach team would. And then they drop 623 passing yards in Death Valley against the defending national champions. And I know this LSU team is a rusted out hulk of what it was last year but still that is the defending <laughs> national champions and not only to to do that but to win running for nine yards when's the last time anybody has ever beaten lsu running for nine yards or won an sec game running for nine yards it's like anybody i mean it is like the like if you're gonna just draw it up on the in the 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 how mummy uh mike leach fever dream this is how you do it. You walk into the SEC, the big bad, you got to win the line of scrimmage league, and you just throw it all over the yard and beat the defending champions. Unbelievable. So I did I did a little bit of research last night, which, uh, as my colleagues and former colleagues, you know, is rare. I thought this stat was fascinating. So Leach threw the ball all over the yard, right? Threw the ball 60 times in Death Valley. So they ran 76 plays. They threw it 60 times. Compared to last year, that was actually below average for Mike Leach. <laughs> that was 77% of the time. Last year, he threw through the entire season 78% of the time, which is just amazing to me that what you saw yesterday compared to last season would have been considered below normal. The thing that struck me, and, and there are a few things. LSU had Derek Stingley out. Derek Stingley is one of the five best players in the country. Would he have made a difference in the game? I don't know. Worth worth noting. That said, I thought LSU just did nothing to adjust. Like, Leach was pretty much mocking Orgeron in the postgame, being like, well, they kept playing their corners really close, pressed up, so we kept calling passes over their heads. That was pretty much what he said, which was a little bit, to me, a little bit of like, well, they never adjusted, so we just kept doing the same thing over and over and over. And even uh, Coach O said it at halftime, and Gary Danielson referenced it a few times in the half, like they weren't winning one-on-one -on -one matchups, which is true. They weren't winning one-on-one -on -one matchups. But at a certain point, you may want to adjust how you're playing defense, uh, Bo Pelini, in order to actually stop this embarrassing onslaught. They did not only break the SEC record for passing, they broke it by 70-something yards. And the fact <laughs> that it was Eric Zire against Southern Miss, like, because that's just like another name from another time. Like, Eric Zire was not around during eras of bubble screens and spread offenses and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, Pat probably covered Eric Zire because he's laughing right now. Oh, I did. Absolutely. I did not cover Eric Zire, but it was fun to see his name. And, like, to think about what Joe Burrow and LSU did last year was one of the most dominant things, uh, dominant seasons, dominant performances, the single most dominant quarterback season we've seen in college football history. I, I wrote it that night in New Orleans at, at the title game, and I, and I fully believe it. Like, we've seen nothing like it. So now, I really think for LSU, it's fascinating, right? You have Orgeron. Remember, it was about three years ago this week they lost to Troy. Troy stuffed it down their throat. 
People didn't think they were LSU was tough. Like LSU was on the ropes. And then everything just completely changed, like totally and completely changed. And Orgeron became the toast of college football. In fact, I'm holding here to, to help cross-promote our, our friend Bruce Feldman, his book about Orgeron, which came in the mail days before, Flip the Script. And I couldn't help but chuckle looking at the book because very quickly after 60 Minutes and after his book release and after Orgeron was the toast of sporting America, like the script changed pretty fast, you know? And the, the genius of Nick Saban that we've talked about many times on this podcast is he's one with, like the coaches haven't mattered, right? Like, isn't like a coordinator chucks him, gets another one. Dan Enos, you're gone. You know what I mean? Like the 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 cast and ensemble of coaches are are disposable parts. Somebody gets a job, great. We're shoving one of our, you know, it was funny. They missed Charles Kelly, their assistant coach, their safeties coach, uh, didn't make it to the game uh yesterday for undisclosed reasons. Who 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 took his place? Some 23-year-old, no, it was Mike Stoops, who was like the <laughs> Oklahoma defensive coordinator, who was like a fairly successful coach at Arizona for a period of time um, until he wasn't. But anyway, it wasn't like they had like some, you know, some young rube, you know, 24-year-old who hasn't shaved. No, they had Mike Stoops coaching uh, on, the, on the headsets yesterday. Saban has built a machine. What Orgeron has done was he built a, he built a program to a great moment. Now it will be interesting because you obviously it's the 10 game SEC season is going to be relentless on everyone, right? If you are Vanderbilt, which played well yesterday, if you are Missouri, if you are South Carolina transit, like, like you are just praying you don't go one and nine, two and 10, right? But it's going to be really easy for one of the supposed blue bloods with no home field advantage of any discernible kind. I didn't feel the crowd impact that game at all yesterday. Like, you're basically playing 10 neutral site games. And if you're playing 10 neutral site games, there's a lot more coin flips. And I mean, I, I just really think like a lot of teams in the SEC woke up and they're like, you know, like Lane Kiffin could go one and nine. They flashed on offense and it was great, but they they couldn't stop anything yesterday. I mean, they couldn't tackle. I really just, I really think like I haven't taken like a, like a long enough time to like really think through what a 10 game SEC season could, could mean. Because all, all of a sudden, like, I mean, that LSU team, like, they couldn't stop anyone. And maybe I'm being a bit, a little bit too gloom and doom, and you guys can disagree with me, but boy, like, they're, the, the corners, they nickel straight transfer, like, the corners they trotted out there couldn't slow anyone down. Well, let, let me let me run through their schedule because we're going to overreact, right? So if, yeah. we, if, yeah. LSU yeah, is what, if LSU is what it was yesterday, so they got Vanderbilt and they have Missouri. I think they could win those two games. I'm going to give them those two, right? Two and one. Then they play at Florida. I would say no, two and two. We're going to just go off of one game. There's South Carolina's next, three and two. They play Auburn. Nope. Could see them losing that. See them obviously losing Alabama. All of a sudden, you're three and four. And you're going to play Arkansas, who actually looked decent for a while yesterday. I think they'd beat Arkansas. I'll get them to four and four. Texas a At Texas A&M. And then you finish up with Ole Miss. I mean, very easily... Five and five. I think it's a very fair to say that, I mean, that's a long drop from a national title to five and five. Now, they can obviously do better than that, but that is a, that's a quick drop. Are they going to Shreveport? You, Should we just call it right now? Are they going to Shreveport? Is it going to sleep on LSU all year? I, that's, but that's your bit. There's And there yeah. are, and, and let me tell you what, you're playing the third, the 10th, the 17th, 24th, 31st. I mean, there's, you don't have a buy yeah. until before Alabama. There's not a lot of time to just 
rework things. There's also no. the possibility one of these games gets I mean, the last thing you want is like the Missouri or Vanderbilt game to get get delayed <laughs> yeah. and pushed into the, the the off week when you need to regroup. But this is it. This is why, yeah. you know, I said at the beginning of this thing, oh, be better if you just played SEC games. No, like in the NFL, someone goes one in 15. And you keep your fans when you go one in 15 because you're going to get to draft Joe Burrow. And then the and then it switches. Mm-hmm. When you start going one and nine, you don't get good recruits. So that's right. why there, I think there will always be easy non-conference because they got to sell tons of tickets, keep excitement. And man, it'd be very, very even a, even a six and four, seven and three season when you're coming off a national title is pretty disappointing. But you can't cushion it with, hey, we're actually a ten and uh, ten and three team because uh, we got some non-conference. So. Right. Very tricky. One thing I, I, I wanted to think back on, uh, 2008, I believe, was the Epic 3-2 game. <laughs> yeah, the Auburn, Mississippi State. Auburn, Auburn versus Mississippi State. Oh, that's two, really funny, Dan. That's a great in point. In 2008. So unless we have, like, uh, an 11-year-old listening, and I hope we are. I hope we do. <laughs> This is in the lifetime of pretty much every. I mean, I'm not going back to like the 50s here. Mississippi State played a football game that was three to two. Now they have been thrown around a lot, obviously, for many years. This is the, but man, Mike Leach from that day where they ran it, they only ran 55 plays in that game. Hmm. They threw it 60 Classic. yesterday. 55 yeah. plays. <laughs> Threw it more times in total plays than the three to two. Yeah, the three, it. the three two <laughs> epic Auburn Mississippi State game. <laughs> you want a uh, you want a you want an overreaction? Here's an sure. overreaction for you. Is LSU is Ed Orgeron set up to be Gene Chiswick 2.0? Chiswick in 2010 has all the stars aligned. They get Cam Newton by some manner or another. <laughs> they have one great season. They go undefeated. They win a national title. Cam leaves like Joe Burrow left. And also he loses his coordinators and a ton of other talent. And they went eight and five the next year, got blown out four of the five losses. And then the year after that, the bottom completely fell out and Chiswick was gone. Now, Orgeron is recruited so well that that probably won't be the case. But I just I watched that LSU season last year, and it just reminded me a little bit of Chiswick's season with uh, Auburn, where it's just like everything went perfectly, and then after that, nothing went perfectly. All right, that is an overreaction. <laughs> Throwing them in Chiswick is almost G, almost uh, Larry Coker, right? Oh wow! Yeah. Oof. Let me say this much about Mike Leach and and Mississippi State: when you take over a program. Now, he comes in with a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of gravitas and and, and background. Yeah, he's got and, uh, the credibility. Cre- credibility. Credibility. I mean, he's won a million games. But still, you're introducing yourself to a new area of the country and your offense and what exactly is that? Can this kind of gimmicky? Why wasn't he here earlier? I imagine the TV ratings, particularly in the South, were enormous for that game yesterday because it was oh. like pent up demand. Yeah. Everybody in the South is watching and Mississippi state in his first game just walks in and says, this, I'm going to run this offense. How you like me now? Like it is the, the, the moment where I bet every single recruit in the South's head, they're not all going to go to Mississippi state. 
not predicting they're going to all send it. But, man, if you are like a wide receiver huh. or you're like, you know, you're sitting there going, ooh, look how open <laughs> that little rub route was. Like those little, those little, ooh. Uh-huh. And the question was always with Mike Leach is could he get what happens when he gets the great athletes? Now, he started getting some Michael Crabtree when he was at Texas Tech, but he was still recruiting a tough spot. Washington State, he got some, but you still Mississippi State is not going to be it's not going to beat Alabama and, and Georgia and those. But man, there are a lot of recruits within a couple hundred miles of that place. And there's a whole bunch of them that can run those kind of routes. And I got to figure in terms of just like statement, that was a monster for that program going forward. Because I, I don't know how, if you're an offensive player, you're not going, boy, that looks pretty fun. Mississippi State has actually recruited really well since the end of the Mullen era. Because even Joe Moorhead, who was not a complete disaster. It wasn't like Joe Moorhead went 2-10 and ten both years. Like, his first two years, I believe, were either the best or a hair away from the best of, like, the first two years of any coach in school history. He was, like, he was he was there. It's, it's a pretty fascinating administrative decision by John Cohen, the AD there. Because he basically said, we have good enough. And by Mississippi State's really, really poor standards of football for the last half century, they, like, Joe Moorhead was good enough. And they were like, nope, we don't want good enough after two years. And it was either a winning record or a 500 record, but two bowl appearances. They said, he said, sayonara, Joe, we are going to get like we 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 tasted playoff contention. We tasted the number one ranking. We tasted that we're we are going to try to get someone else to bring us back there because that that firing. Now, you had heard rumblings all year long, but it was it was still, you know, Joe Moorhead going was one of the more surprising moves. Even early last season, mm, yeah. it was like. Would he go to BC? Would he go to Rutgers? And then it quickly flipped to like they don't really want him anymore. And so to bring in uh, to bring in Mike Leach. And look, Mike Leach is not at USC, Texas, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, whatever. He's not at a Cadillac job because of Mike Leach. Not because of his offense. Not because he's quirky. It's because two twice a year he does or says really dumb things that put him in a spin cycle of controversy that more mainstream campuses probably wouldn't tolerate in the same way. Right. So it's, it, it's, I wrote it yesterday for, uh, for, for a column for Yahoo. Mike Leach has sort of niched himself to be the best bad job coach of this generation. And I'll count Bill Snyder as the last generation. Cause he's probably the goat of bad job coaches. Right. But like Mike, what Mike Leach has done is like, he needs people who are desperate enough for him. And I don't want to say tolerate his act because I don't, I don't think it's an act. I just think he's like, he just beats to his own drum. I mean, the, like the Mike Leach stories are great. Like the offense and the defense, like sometimes like the staffs go in at different times during the day. I, I called uh, Urban Meyer last night after because they'd done a bunch of air raid stuff on Fox. And he was he was laughing because he was like, yeah, when I got to the SEC, you know, the first the first year, everybody's like, oh, that spread won't work. The spread won't work. The spread won't work. And well, it ended up working. And he, he laughed. He was like, well, the first four or five games of Florida, I didn't know if it was going to work either. It's interesting to, to look at to look at Mike Leach because he has won and he's been innovative enough to really place himself. You just look at like the blind resume, like what he has done at impossible places. I mean, totally impossible places should have like Mike Price did that at, at Washington state. And he ended up with Alabama job. Leach is like the most relentlessly fascinating football character of our time. Said I'm, I'm happy to see him have success. Here's one, one other thought on Mike Leach. 
Do you remember who was going to hire him three years ago until they fired the athletic director, like right when he was on the cusp of bringing him in? Does Sully remember who was about to hire Mike Leach? <laughs> yeah, the meeting, the meeting was between athletic director and Leach was probably about 10 minutes from my house in L.A. So, yes, I do remember. Yes, yes. Tennessee yeah. was John Curry was going to hire Mike Leach. And then they got so sick of that coaching search. They fired Leach and brought in Phil Fulmer and you got Jeremy Pruitt and maybe Pruitt will still turn out. But he hadn't had a day yet at Tennessee like Mike Leach had in oh. day one. Day one. Hey, beat Indiana in a bowl game. They did Pat. beat Indiana beat in the mighty bowl Indiana. Game. And they beat they, they beat a ranked <laughs> Kentucky team once. Uh, hey, long, long, no, longest they, they, group of five win streak. I don't care if it's fool's gold or not. Let's let I'm cashing it in, baby. We're we're, we're running with it. <laughs> that Sully, that was the Ritz and Marina Del Rey. Uh, I think that, so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was the Ritz and Marina Del Rey, and I remember one of the people involved telling me that they actually just met in the lobby. Like, like, have you ever been to that Ritz and Marina Del Rey, guys? Like, yep. yeah. so they sat so like, you just walk tables, in, it's like a couple coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Like nobody recognized John Curry or Mike Leach. Yeah. You know, it's Ritz and Marina yeah. Del Rey. People got other stuff exactly. going on, you know, like I once you know. did. Uh, There's no VolQuest posters <laughs> anywhere about the last <laughs> year of Steve Lavin at UCLA. His last season. Yeah. He's living. He lives. Lives. He may still live there. I don't know. In in Marina Del Rey, and I'm doing a story on him. He uh, he's come over the house, and uh, he's got you know it's like a condo townhouse thing. I mean you know beautiful area, but you get no room. So we're for whatever reason we're gonna drive to UCLA. Or I think and I don't know we're bought. He's like I gotta take my garbage cans out. So he's out <laughs> back, and the guy goes, "Hey," like his neighbor says, "Hey" to him or something like that, and he's just like started asking him a couple questions and he goes, who are you? And I'm like, I'm just here doing a story on him. He's like, you're doing a story on him. I'm like, yeah. And, and Steve Lavin says to his neighbor, he's like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, I work up at UCLA. I'm the basketball coach. And he's like, (laughs) he's like, no idea. The guy had no idea. He goes, like the head coach. He's like, yeah. Like John Wooden. He's like, not like John Wooden, but yeah, same job. Yeah. Technically. Oh, and he had been the great. head coach like four years at UCLA. I'm like, nowhere else in America could the next door neighbor of the, I mean, I don't care what school you're at. It's like, you never even know who this guy is. You can never see him on TV. Just click. Nope. Didn't matter. Marina Del Rey don't care. I was like, this is cr- killing me. So funny. And Lavin's says, like, that's going to be a great scene. Oh, that's oh, good yeah. for my story here. Oh, boy. Like, <laughs> and I'm sure that was your lead, wasn't I'm it? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. that, Steve that Lavin lost dragging I that. That was CBS Sportsline, yeah, wasn't it, was. Dan? Was that CBS Sportsline? CBS Sportsline days. Dragging the garbage cans out, and this neighbor doesn't even know the hell he tremendous, is. Tremendous. Tremendous. Yeah, that's Marina Del Rey for you. They got Hey, if you live there, you got a lot better sh- stuff to do than uh, <laughs> worry about <laughs> UCLA Bruin basketball team. Dude, enjoy life. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah, I think that was just a, I mean, talk about statement wins. I mean, and, and yeah. you know, Leach, Leach had been up for a few jobs down there. And, you know, all these coaches, the SEC, it just means SEC. Can you do it at the big show, you know? Yeah. I mean, I never got that like, because yeah. he did it with Kentucky, you know? Like they, him and, they they created the air raid there in the nineties. Like yeah, but he wasn't the head coach. Yeah, right. Well, I, I know he enjoyed it. I know he enjoyed it. Leach was sort of I I appreciated this about Leach. Like the SEC values itself like no other league. It sort of uh, it sort of builds up its own mythology, right? And when Phil Longo got hired as old Mrs. OC, and people were like, can it work in the SEC? Leach just like mocked SEC superiority in an interview with the Clarion Ledger. He was just like, 
hogwash. <laughs> and then he, yeah, he was like, we did it at Kentucky. Like, you know, it was basically like, just because you have your own TV network doesn't mean you're like much better at uh, better at football. The other thing is, and this is like where I got yelled at for writing about, talking about football too much. LSU didn't score a touchdown on its first four drives and had like 26 total yards. And I think really think one of the interesting parts of this Leach experiment is that he dove out west into the 3-3-5 defense tree. And LSU did figure it out. But like one of the things about the 3-3-5 is you don't see it. So it's like a funky zone in basketball or something. And that really stymied them. The same thing happened in North Carolina when they opened against Syracuse. And again, they figured it out. But they scored once on their first like eight drives or something. So something to watch too. You have this obviously this quirky offensive system that's going to get all this attention, but you also have this unique defense and Mississippi state is now the toughest team to prepare for schematically in the sec. Cause it's so different. Well, that, that concludes this week in Mississippi state bulldog football talk. I mean, God, that was the damn recruiting. We just gave, we just gave Mike Leach his own recruiting bin here. We're uh, just going to have to move to Mississippi because during the week we announced <laughs> that this was a Deion Sanders podcast, and now it's a Mike Leach podcast. So. Yeah, and the lane train won't stay silent forever. So, yeah, oh, Mississippi's no. where it's at. Stark Vegas. <laughs> if you were to live in Mississippi, Steve. where would you live? What town would you live in? Yeah. Uh, Memphis. That's not in Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be up there maybe, in, like, maybe whatever, Maybe Gulfport or something. Get me down to the beach. Give me Gulfport. Yeah. I want the Gulf, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go golf. I don't know. All right. Anyway, uh, other big, big result. Oklahoma just uh, has Kansas State reeling. The Kansas State team that lost to Arkansas State, 21-point lead in the second half, and Oklahoma just implodes. Can't stop, block punt, uh, and get an offense. Spencer Radler throwing picks. And just like that, once again, the Oklahoma Sooners lose it's the second straight year they lost to Kansas State. They lost to Iowa State famously a couple years ago. And the Big 12 is in a heap of trouble with that. I don't. Uh, we talked about this early on, these non-conference losses and the lack of good non-conference opponents like bake in an inability survive a loss. Now, we predicted that weeks ago before we knew it was going to happen. But like you can turn around and go, well, who are you going to beat that's now impressive? Texas survived Texas Tech which survived Houston Baptist. Now, that will probably be a wash at the end, but Oklahoma's very lucky Texas won that game. They uh, if, they, if they have any chance to get back. Oklahoma State has not looked great. Baylor finally got to play, but tough spot for the Big 12. But let's just talk Oklahoma. I mean, this is a, this is a devastating loss for that program that had high hopes and is trying to get beyond being the fourth playoff team and being a real playoff team, you know, another loss like that is is just puzzling for for the program. Yeah, I mean, you want a little more overreaction for you? I mean, there's something wrong with Lincoln Riley's program. I, I can't say exactly what it is, but they shouldn't lose these games. You shouldn't lose two years in a row to Kansas State. You should not lose to Iowa State. You should not give up sixty even to a great LSU team in a playoff game. There is something preventing them from being an elite program. And it's not recruiting, because if you look at the recruiting, man, they've got somebody had a stat. I, I can't, well, I wish I could attribute it, but that Oklahoma had 54 and five star players on their roster, and Kansas State had zero. So something is preventing them from playing up to their talent level. Obviously, the, the, the clear 
problem is the defense. Like they're just not good and they can change coordinators and they can change schemes, but they have been absolutely overmatched defensively for every year. This even goes back to the end of the Stoops era, you know, where they just got sucked into the Big 12, go, 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 throw, 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 don't stop anybody kind of mindset. And they have not gotten out of it successfully. So Lincoln Riley is a great coach, great offensive coach. His defenses aren't good enough, and they lose at least one game a year that you look at and say, what the hell's wrong with Oklahoma? So I'm going to uh, overreact in a different way. It's easy to blame the defense, the special teams, the, the block punt. I mean, there were a bunch of big plays in that game. The block punt was one. Obviously, they couldn't tackle. Lil Deuce uh, was, run, was running wild for uh, for K-State. What a fun player he's going to be the next uh, the next couple of years, the, the little five-foot-five uh, scat back. But if you are Lincoln Riley, and you are winning by three touchdowns in the third quarter, this is how they finished the game. Drive chart. Fumble, punt, 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 interception. And the interception was sort of, a, I guess, yeah, with, four, with 49 seconds left. And you are going up against a team that essentially was pulling guys off the bus and saying, hey, you're going to start at defensive back today. Yeah. Like, if you're Lincoln Riley and you have all this chaos going around, like in, in, the, in the middle of this game, you got to figure out a way to score on a drive in the fourth quarter. Because if you do that, you win the game, all right? Now, I don't know if they need to run the ball a little bit more, uh, which, which isn't one of his specialties. I, I, I was flipping around there in the second half, but it seemed like every time they had the ball, they were going, they were being aggressive. But like, you have to be able to exploit those searing mismatches and, and, and figure out a way to put together a drive and score a touchdown. Like when they needed the offense to bail out the defense, which isn't an unusual thing there, the offense failed. Like Lane Riley's offense failed him at the end of that game. And that's that's as much of a reason why they lost is the fact that they're still a sieve on defense. They can't tackle and they made a huge special teams blunder. So that's my Oklahoma overreaction. But like Chris Kleiman, like the dude won four national titles in five years at, at North Dakota State. Like you can't fake four national titles at, at that one double A level. That's really, really hard to do and so get, give him credit like he's an old ball coach he knows he knows how to win and beating Oklahoma two years in a row is such a credibility thing like in terms of if you're at K-State you're not going to beat Oklahoma and Texas for recruits but you need to compete with that middle class in the Big 12 and they have shown they can emerge in the next few years to be in that upper middle class of the, of the Big 12 and he obviously knows how to develop players yeah, great great win for him Awesome, but yeah. they still lost to Arkansas State, which again, as Dan pointed out, this is the problem is those losses are dragging down the entire conference. You can't just sit there. Kleiman's awesome, and, and I think he's going to do a great, continue to do a great job at Kansas State, but there's that loss. But Arkansas State just rolls right into their place and beats them. So, you know, and, and they had, as you said, the COVID, COVID issues. They took five buses and spread their kids out, like rode a bus to Oklahoma. I mean, this is like some old school stuff. And Oklahoma was dominating. I, I, it's, I, to me, it's just different than when you, you're, you're flat and the other team gets out to that early. Like, like Arkansas, uh, Arkansas yesterday against um, Georgia, right? Georgia is just a mess early. And Arkansas is hanging around and they're getting stops and they, get a, they, got, they got the lead and all. And then eventually Georgia gets it together and rolls them. Even if Georgia hadn't come back, you just look and go, that's just a terrible day. For Georgia, they just they don't got, you know, that would have been a mess. It's different when you're leading by 21. It, it has to be your offense that fails you at that point, because they're either not holding the ball and running out the clock or they're not scoring even field goals or anything. So it, it, whatever adjustments went down, all of it. 
climbing a great win for Kansas State. I think it's their first road win against a top five opponent ever. Hmm. Wow. You, you even, forget how even bad that place was. That. Yeah. You forget how bad they were oh. all those years. Bad for decades. I mean, and not just bad, but like horrible for decades, you know. So, no, that I mean, it, it's it's awesome for them. You know, kudos to them. They were missing a bunch of players uh, and for them to to win the game and to come back. That shows some some great character on their behalf. No doubt about it. But that league, I, I think I, I put that league behind the AAC right now in terms of if you're doing a conference pecking order. And we 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 don't have that many conferences playing yet, but obviously you're going to put the SEC, ACC, and then I put the AAC above the Big Twelve right now. I certainly think there's a better path to a title right now to the playoff for for UCF and Cincinnati. Yeah, like you can see a pretty pretty nice little path that you know one of those teams than yeah. otherwise. All right, let's talk quickly about Texas. That was an unbelievable yeah. game. Oh my gosh. They are trailing 56 to 41 to Texas Tech. I thought it was great. Patrick Mahomes apparently did not have any mean. He was just on Twitter chirping nonstop. <laughs> this is phenomenal. Patrick Mahomes did beat Texas. It was basically the only good win they ever had while he was there. It's still astounding. I when I did a I did a epic athlete book, the U kids books I write on on that. I went through the, all those every game of Patrick Mahomes' college career. Yeah. It, 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 you could write a real book on how the hell they screwed this up. <laughs> I mean, you had Patrick Mahomes and you did nothing, nothing. You beat Texas, yeah. a bad Texas team on Thanksgiving once. Like, that yeah. was it. It was yeah. awful. It's you, unbelievable. And now Cliff Kingsbury is actually a good NFL coach. None of this makes sense. Zero. No. If you were looking no. at that program, you would not say, well, one of these guys is actually going to do a pretty he's turn into a successful NFL coach and one's the greatest player in the in the game. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Anyway, that's an aside. Kingsbury always needed a GM to be like, hey, Cliff, half the yeah, guys have to play defense too. Right. Maybe that's really yeah. what like your recruiting <laughs> class cannot have eleven wide receivers. <laughs> I mean, they were giving up, they gave like 70 points to people. I mean, it was just, oh, it was atrocious. Even Mahomes just. couldn't score enough points. No. It, it's honestly, if you're if you're truly bored and you're a college football nerd like we are, just go back through their media guide. You can get online and go look at these things. And you, and, they, and there's even quotes from the. I thought our offense did all right. Uh, defense got a short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gave epic, up sixty again. Epic three year run. They also had Baker Mayfield and uh, the Davis guy who's who's played in the yeah. NFL. Yeah, Davis, yeah, Davis Webb. Webb. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was loaded at QB, but anyway. That's an aside. Uh, they almost won yesterday. They're leading 56-41 with 313 to go. And then Texas just uh credit them. I thought that was I thought they were done. This is not gritty Texas, isn't really what you think of anymore. No. But this was gritty. Let's, you know what? We're not gonna, we're not gonna Ellinger is just like I ain't losing yet. And uh they scored uh twice, 239 and 40 seconds. Ellinger ends up with four TDs. Uh, Texas wins 63-56 and, and very well may have saved uh, Herman's job. I mean, I don't know, Tom Herman's job. Like if, it, if that ball goes the wrong way early, I don't know. But that that was almost... They don't get the onside yeah, kick. <laughs> they almost a horrible, horrible 
loss turns to a at least fun victory. Pete? Yeah, I you know, I can't say I was like locked in on that game as it was as it was going on because it seemed like Texas was kind of in control and then all of a sudden it wasn't and everything backslid. But it's dispiriting for Texas where you've heard like we have all these great new assistant coaches, new coordinators, new schemes. We're going to be four down instead of three. We're going to be harder to like you. There's just like eight months of rhetoric come to a screeching halt there. And uh, I tip my cap to Sam Ellinger. Like, in the quintessential Big 12 game, they won in the quintessential Big 12 way. Like, just complete cast. 15 points. They had to get that two-point conversion. They got the penalty. They had to throw over the top on the tying touchdown. Ellinger is one of the best quarterbacks in all college football. He showed that in spades. Composure, poise, et cetera, were, were awesome to see. And... It will be interesting. We're overreacting to it now, and it was a it was a bloody mess of a win for Texas. Like, if all of a sudden in three weeks Texas figures some things out, can slow some people down, and is like four or five and zero, oh, or, or you know, I saw Joel Klatt put him in his top ten yesterday. Pat, did you put Texas in your top ten? Hell no, I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah, sometimes Fox employees are wed to Fox uh, business partners, <laughs> but I was sort of like, oh, people are going to put Texas in the top ten. I was no like, it looked like it to me. Yeah. So it, what's interesting there, Dan, and you brought this up earlier, is now the, the Big 12 is in a spin cycle of defeatism because where are the good wins? You made a great point about the AAC. Uh, they scheduled it smart. Cincinnati and UCF play each other in late November. If they're undefeated, that's a top 10 matchup. So you can all of a sudden beat a top 10 team and maybe make a push as everyone else is beating themselves up. The Big 12 is just going to beat itself up and now like a true Mar there are, is no marquee top 10 win on the board. No, there's not. I mean, the best thing the Big 12 can hope for is Texas wins, keeps winning, beats Oklahoma and looks good doing it. Oklahoma State keeps winning and those two play. I think it's in late October, might even be Halloween uh, and maybe October 24th. And, and they're both undefeated and that's a high level game. But you are asking for a lot. To, uh, to to go right, I think, for that to even matter. You know, I, I just think that league is very much behind the eight ball. As far as the, the, the Texas comeback, and it was, I mean, look, Eleanor, you're right. I mean, man, did he make some heroic plays and just, you know, he's a winner. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But the things, Texas Tech special teams may, uh, uh, enabled this in an incredible way. I mean, they get up 15 points, and what does Matt Wells do? says, let's pooch the kickoff. They hit it 24 yards, and Texas gets the ball at their own 41. So you've right there, you've given them at least two plays worth of field position. So they then bing, 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 they score, and then they do not cover the onside kick worth a darn. So I don't know whether they were surprised by it. If they were, I don't know why. But then Texas recovers that and rolls on down the field, and, and they score in the end, get the two-pointer, and at that point, you know what's going to happen. You know that game is O-V-E-R in overtime. So it was, uh, it was, it was a, a heck of a comeback for Texas, but Texas Tech definitely enabled it. You know who Ellinger's got a little uh, of in him is a little Dak Prescott. Yeah. He's like, you know, he is not like this just pure passer that like takes your breath away like Mahomes and some others did when they were uh, Trevor Lawrence does like, like when they were in college. He's got kind of that stocky build. Like I always thought Dak was like like top heavy, which gave him some, you know, some leverage in the run game. And, uh, you know, there's there's a, a character element like I, I've been around both of them like a decent amount of college. I just like I feel like personality wise, they're similar and like they, they have no problem willing their teams to, to victory. So he would be my my. My NFL, cop yeah, like not for, a classic uh, for, runner, for Sam. but he can run. Yeah, 
It's like Dak's not a runner, but try tackling him. You know, and yeah. Yes. He's not niched as a runner or a thrower, but like very high echelon at both, just not from the like the paradigm. Like when you got a running quarterback, I think a Randall Cunningham. Right. You know what I mean? Like that that kind of guy. So like, and he's not you know a four. He's not a four or five burner or anything. But you know, like just gutsy enough to uh, to, to to figure out a way to, to get it done. And that he certainly got it done Saturday. All right, they like handing out the uh, trophy in New York at the end of the year. We like doing it every week because we like to overreact. So who is our small sample Heisman winners this week? Hello, record book. Hello, small sample Heisman. How about that? Pat, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, I'm ready, and I love this one. This guy, uh, <laughs> what ended an incredibly entertaining game between Louisiana and Georgia Southern. Yeah. The last three scoring plays of this game were incredible. Georgia Southern is down 17 to 10. They're driving, throw it in the end zone. Receiver makes an, a one-handed catch with two guys on him, pulls it in. I mean, as good a catch as you saw all day. So they're down 17-16. They go for two. Shea Wirtz, who's been the quarterback there for like seven years, gets in trouble, gets almost sacked, spins out of it, and on the run, throws across his body for the two-point conversion. They're up 18-17. to Georgia Southern's going to beat Louisiana, which has kind of been the darling of the season so far because of the upset of Iowa State. But no! Louisiana has just enough time to drive down and get into what would theoretically be field goal position. But their kicker's no good. And that's why Nate Snyder is my Saul Sample Heisman winner, the kicker for them. <laughs> On the year, he was two for six kicking field goals going into that, that, that play. He had missed from 34 yards in the game. They sent him out there, yeah, go win the game from 53, buddy. Go ahead, you got this. And he does, he nails it. Incredible, incredible clutch kick by Nate Snyder. Small sample Heisman winner, the king of Lafayette, Louisiana. You're the man. I'm going to I'm gonna piggyback off Pat for a minute before I give mine. Shai Wirtz, who has been the quarterback of Georgia Southern for a decade, recall his arrest last August oh, yeah. for cocaine possession when it was actually bird poop on his car. Uh, Do you uh, remember that? Oh, yeah. That was that, a terrible arrest. Yeah, that was te- like, outrageous. Terrible. Outrageous. Te- like, 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 terrible. Uh, that two-point conversion that he made, his oh. hand touched the ground three different times to keep him up. He spun around, t- touched it twice, stumbled, touched it again, got up, and like zing zing the ball in. So that was that was probably as fun of a finish as you would see all day. And and those couple plays were uh, were incredible. I am going to go a little more conventional and boring for my small sample Heisman. I am going to give it to Kyle Pitts, the Ooh. tight end at Florida. Eight catches, 170 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, how many tight ends do you see have four touchdowns? Yeah. Even even the guy uh, Dan predicted from uh, from LSU didn't get. He did get one, but he didn't get his. Uh, didn't get. Did his I say three? three? Yeah. Uh, well, almost. Yeah, you said three. We're on that's our okay. Way. We, we We're made on our, our way. Li- yeah, we we made our listeners aware, and that's the uh, that's the important thing. But like, 
Dan Mullen, you could just tell, had a field day calling plays. You think the old Mississippi State coach didn't love going into Oxford and hanging <laughs> 51 on Lane Kiffin? You don't, you don't, those, those Mississippi rivalries don't die easily when you switch jobs. No, so, no. Uh, <laughs> old, old Dan, old Dan calling plays and hanging, uh, hanging 51 with uh, Kyle Trask through for 416. But man, Kyle Pitts, have yourself a day. He is regarded by NFL evaluators as the best tight end in college football. And nothing that has transpired so far this season would make anyone believe anything different. It's one of those quirky, you know, conferences are too big. What exactly is a conference? That was Florida's first trip to Oxford since 2007. Yeah. Jeez. Since the great Tim Tebow promise game, yeah, right? Right. It's like, this is this is what we call a conference. You, know, you haven't been there. In, so, two, uh, <laughs> Tim Tebow was two sports ago. <laughs> All right. Uh, mine goes to uh, Dylan Gabriel of uh, UCF, quarterback. Um, uh, star quarterback, four touchdowns, 408 yards against East Carolina. I know it's East Carolina, but he took a massive hit, went down, looked like he was going to be out of the game, got up, and promptly th- completed 20 of 22 passes, including 18 consecutive. Absolutely torched ECU. Again, 408 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, UCF looks really good. I know ECU is not that good, but we saw all sorts of teams struggle. This weekend, I, I, if you win a game this year, you won the game because yes. there is there is no yes. well-oiled machine in college football. Uh, but if there is one, it might yeah. be Central Florida. So he is my a small sample Heisman. All right. We say many, many mean things on this podcast, many unfair things, many overreact. I think we fired Ed Orgeron today. I don't I mean. I, we, <laughs> we, fired Ed, or, Ed Orgeron and Lincoln Riley. Ed Orgeron yes. and Lincoln Riley <laughs> have now been fired by us. We are very, very reasonable people, obviously. No, we are not. We're horrible people. We're a bunch of jerks. But this segment, we will try to be nice. And I'm going to start with you, Pete Thamel. Say something nice. Uh, Skippy, I don't right. got anything. Pat Give me a minute. 40, say <laughs> see, something it's, nice it's while Pete, Pete tries to, to think nice. of something. <laughs> yes, exactly. Whereas, it, see, it just flows off my tongue, the niceties. So uh, I'm going to say something nice about Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech. This was a team that they have not even been able to play a game yet. And they're finally going to play North Carolina State. And Fuente early in the week is like, well, we hope we're going to play. And right then you're like, oh, boy, how bad is the virus situation there? Turns out it was pretty darn bad. They got to the game, but they had 23 players out, four staff members. Their first-time defensive coordinator, Justin Hamilton, could not call plays. The guy who would be his logical successor, Tracy Clays, he couldn't come to the game either. So you're down to basically your third-string defensive coordinator and 23 players out, and you're playing a league game against North Carolina State, and you roll them. Absolutely dominated the game. Beat North Carolina State by three touchdowns. They scored, I think, their first three possessions. Averaged 8.5 yards per play. Uh, 193 passer rating using two guys. Ran for 7.7 yards per carry. I mean, that was a really impressive performance with a skeleton crew. You take 23 out of, you know, I don't know whether it was out of 105 or what the total is, but not a lot of coaches are going to feel very good going into a game in that situation. And they don't just win they blow out their opponents. So congratulations to the Hokies. I'm going to say something nice about the ponies from SMU. We've, we've talked a lot on the podcast about Cincinnati. Pat went to their game against Army yesterday. We've talked a lot about UCF as deserved. But very quietly, SMU should be ranked. All, all our AP voters who've already logged their things. I, I would be 
disappointed if they weren't ranked. They they beat Texas State in kind of a slog of an opener, hung 65 on North Texas, scored 50 against Stephen F. Austin. It's Shane Buchel, the Texas quarterback. They have a ridiculous amount of skill. Fun little game. Memphis goes to, to SMU on Saturday. Number 17, Memphis. Let's hope there's a number hanging by SMU for that game. And I'm going to predict right now that SMU pulls the upset. Uh-huh. So props to Sonny Dykes. Props to Sam Buchel. They're, uh, it's, it's fun to have SMU back with a little juice in college football and roll on a little bit. So if for, if for nothing else, maybe they can get a money bag on the side. I can't believe we didn't talk about Lane <laughs> ah, yes, Kiffin having the coming. money bag prop on the I side. I was not going to let that Yeah, we need to retape the podcast. I was okay. not going right. to let that right. go. First right. off, Thank I God. If SMU and TCU can both get popping at once, I just think that would be phenomenal in the Metroplex. Yeah, the Metroplex would be fun. Because that is college football central. And but it's always people coming in, you know. But if you get those two adding that, that go. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm going with Ole Miss. First off, two things about Ole Miss. I'm gonna say something nice. Those blue uniforms were Mm. sweet. Yeah. They were awesome. <laughs> Absolutely were. sweet color scheme. Ton of respect for them taking the knee uh, with Florida Unity. I thought it was a nice gesture in a place where, you know, that, that symbolism is something. It was respectful and all that. But then they cap it off <laughs> when A.J. Finley, defensive back, makes an interception, gets over the sideline, and he has a choice between the turnover chain or the newly minted turnover bag. <laughs> If you haven't seen this, just type in Ole Miss money bag, which I, the fact it's all again, talk about history. <laughs> Symbolism and history is not. It looks like a potato. Mike Slive rolled over his grave when those gifts started getting retweeted around the Internet. Phenomenal. It looks like a potato sack, like one of those, those old potato sack race. <laughs> and someone just kind of drew a, a money symbol. It's so it's not even a nice bag. <laughs> like you know, like Pulp Fiction or like you know the the mob movies, they have a nice or the Wire. They oh yeah, they come in with a nice. Yeah. You, you don't really want to use a like a, Vers- a Vers- Versace valise or anything. Yeah, can't pick that up from like the grounds crew walking into the stadium. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like something you put your leaves in and leave on the curb <laughs> instead of just a nice briefcase with two. Anyway, he gets it and he's got the the money bag. They asked uh, Kiffin in, say, he's called it the turnover bag. He didn't think he was no. smarting. I, we need further replication. Yeah, that's how you turn your roster over in the SEC. <laughs> Just the symbolism. Go get some D lineman lane. Listen, I mean, we, I mean I'm not saying we're going to pay you to come here, but we have a damn money. We have money bags available. <laughs> there are bags that symbolize we would put what is in the bag, too. What is in the bag? Something is in that bag. If you look at it, yeah, it's the greatest That's... mystery since that tarp they had in that old field at ba- Baylor. What's under the tarp? <laughs> yeah, what's under the tarp? It's like uh. bodies under there. What is under the tarp? At the, what was that You're old a good stadium? investigative reporter, Dan. Get to Oxford and open the bag. I want to. I want what is in the bag. We never found. They, I think they destroyed that old stadium in Baylor. What they was did. that thing? Carter, Leon, was it? No, it was. Oh, geez. Amos. What was it? Amos Carter. Was it McLean, McLean Stadium? No, that's the new one. Wasn't it? That's the new one? Okay. No, Amon Carter is TCU. Uh, that's it. I forget. Yeah. Uh, anyway, dead stadium down there in Baylor. I know he's wanted what's under the tarp. What are you hiding? 
Well, uh, this is great. So congratulations, Ole Miss. You got housed, but everything else you did great. You did really good. Floyd Casey Stadium. Floyd Casey Stadium. That's it. Floyd Casey. Floyd Casey Stadium. Uh, You did everything great except play football. But, hey, I'm going to say something nice about that. All right. uh, Subscribe. Spread us on social media. Tell your friends. And uh, appreciate you tuning in. Look, you're not going to do the season right unless you are here every single Monday. Every single Monday. The overreaction Monday is the best. And uh, we're having a good time. Our listenership is up, even though we haven't had everybody playing. I assume we're going to do great now, uh, even more so. So don't miss a single bit of the antics. And we'll be back midweek to look forward to week five as the season uh, churns up. We're rolling along. Talk to you all later.